All right, I stand corrected. Carlton the Bear can, in fact, backflip. He, he got around. It was close. It was tight. Did he not backflip on the concourse? He did backflip on the concourse. I just, I just retweeted it. If you want to see it, you can go to my Twitter. Yep. Carlton the Bear. Never doubt me, Justin. Evidence of him sticking a backflip. It was in 2018, but still. Same, oh. same Carlton. This looks like, okay, five years ago. Mm-hmm. This is the sort of backflip that it's like, could you do that in five years? I'm not sure. You asked he may he, have lost his power. So maybe actively he cannot backflip. He's backflip before. He did a backflip. Have you ever done a backflip, front flip, anything like on that? On a trampoline. Okay. That's it. I don't think I've even done one on that. I don't even think I get a rotation into a pool. I don't think you should try but I'm not either. a former professional athlete. Let's bring in our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. We can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It is 7 a.m. on a Monday, and that means our insider is Frank Saravalli of DailyFaceOff.com. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. I'm just seeing this footage of Carlton the Bear, and, and it's, it's actually rather impressive. Right? It is pretty uh, impressive. Because he's got, the, like, the, the whole thing. The head has to weigh so much. Yeah. The, the thought process that you could regain your balance after that is... Mm-hmm. There's some real physics involved there. He's also got some, like, added girth, like, in the legs and midsection area, and I feel like that would be difficult to deal with in a backflip scenario. Well, it's precisely why I can't do one. (laughs) Yeah, that's why most people can't do one. But uh, (laughs) he's also in a costume, so I don't give credit. that's in a costume. Carlton the Bear's in a costume. how do you know it's a him? bear. Oh, my God. Yeah. Justin. Okay. I didn't know we were doing that this morning. Anyway, I didn't think we were talking about Mike Babcock this morning, but we are, based on the weekend. Uh, Mike Babcock, not a day too late. He will sign a contract, apparently, after his time with the Maple Leafs officially runs up. Uh, Frank, what do you think about Mike Babcock reentering the league? Um, It's going to be fascinating. (laughs) Four years is a long time uh, for one of the sort of most successful coaches of his generation, one that really in an odd way became the tiger woods of the coaching profession in the NHL and that he raised everyone's pay in such a significant way around him. He was a pace setter an agenda setter, um, a Stanley cup winner that has gone a long, long time without working. Part of it is due to the contract that he signed with the Leafs. That was precedent setting that by the way, he wants to make sure that he's paid every cent for yep. <laughs> uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then the other part is um, how does he evolve? How does he adapt and change? Because he went out with some significant questions about his motivational tactics, his, potential um, mental abuse or sort of mental warfare that uh, players playing for him sometimes had to deal with. And some of that's in question too. Like uh, there were certainly some players in the room that the same time that Johan Franzen was apparently, you know, sort of broken by Mike Babcock that they didn't see anything wrong and didn't have any issues. So a lot of it is up to personal interpretation. However, he did admit after the fact that he made mistakes. So how will we, how will he be different? What changes will we see from Mike Babcock? And I think it speaks to two things. The fact that Mike Babcock is, is landing in Columbus of all places. Mm. One, this is the last gasp 
for Jarmo Kekalainen. He has to get this right. It's a ginormous bet. And two, the fact that Mike Babcock didn't work for four years after a precedent-setting contract with the Leafs and lands in Columbus, of all places, tells you how hungry he was to get back in. Yeah, do you think any other teams had expressed interest in Mike Babcock? Because this one, I think, caught a lot of people off guard, hadn't heard his name in four years. <laughs> yeah, um, I do think he interviewed with the New York Rangers. Um, I think he's been chomping at the bit. I think mm-hmm. he's been really hungry to get back in, and every sort of opportunity that's passed by, he wasn't really motivated, I don't think, and not speaking for him, but this is at least what I understand of the situation wasn't super motivated given the money that was outstanding on his deal to come back and knowing that he's going to be working for less than what he was currently making to work for free. So part of it was also like the timing was right given that the deal expires on July 1. Uh, Part of it too is he also knew that he wasn't going to get every opportunity because of some of the reasons that we mentioned and the backlash that would come with it. I know there were some reports that, you know, the team was uh, consulted um, about, you know, the addition of Mike Babcock, whether that's players and staff on the process. Um, you have any more insight about, like, how, how that goes and if that's already a bit of a, a stressful beginning to say, we're going to bring this guy in. How, is everybody okay with that? Everybody feel good about this decision? And do you feel for Johnny Goudreau at all, who's, uh, you know, come here to start his next chapter of his life and uh, another coach? in a situation that might not be tenable, as we say here on the show. I, I saw a lot of people say that on social media about Johnny Gaudreau mm-hmm. and, Oh my God, could you see his face when <laughs> yeah. he was presented with the news that Mike Babcock would be the guy after running from Calgary to get away from Daryl Sutter. Mm-hmm. And all I could think of was he did have a 115 point season under Daryl Sutter to close out his, his Calgary tenure. So uh, not exactly bad by any stretch of the imagination um, and was like, I don't know, 40 points or 50 points shy of that almost um, last year in Columbus. That said, I think it's a really dangerous slope and it's an interesting spot to be in to have essentially the, for lack of a say it, the inmates running the asylum and asking them what they like and don't like about a potential candidate or running the idea of a candidate by them. Does everyone need to get along and work together? Yes. Is it more helpful if everyone's pulling on the rope at the same time? Of course. But what happens if there's pushback? No, we don't like this guy or we don't want a taskmaster like Mike Babcock. I don't know. Um, It's an interesting spot to be in. And like I said, the biggest thing that I can take from this is the pressure that Yarmo Kekalainen is facing, knowing that as, as attractive as the candidate might have been in Pascal Vincent, perhaps, someone that they already have in their organization and know well, after going with a first-time guy in Brad Larson that sort of exploded in their face, they, they don't have the option to get this wrong. No, this feels like... Um... Not the safest bet, uh, but someone to bring in some structure, someone to sort of reshape the culture, someone to get results. Uh, It feels like Mike Babcock. There could be worse options. Uh, We shall see, though, how it all plays out. Um, I want to get to the the points, the important points, I guess, from the Gary Bettman press conference. But first, Frank, I want to ask you about, like, 
what you feel when you watch these press conferences. Like every time I hear Gary Bettman speak now, I get like a little bit more and more agitated. I wonder if that's a shared feeling among us. Um, no, I mean, I'm just used to it. It's, it is what it is. Like when you learn, first off, as a reporter, usually at those press conferences asking questions, I kind of enjoy it because you have to be on your toes. You have Mm -hmm. to ask your question the right way because you don't want to get slapped on national TV or international TV. Um, So that's one, like you better word it perfectly. And two, like I kind of enjoy the cat and mouse, the tit for tat game. Like if you ask your question the right way and if you actually ask something intriguing or important or noteworthy, you can learn a lot. And so even in something like, I'll give you an example. He's asked about the salary cap and the way that he framed it, having been through two lockouts that I've covered, just even listening to his answer, it sounded like he was negotiating publicly. I know that he said, you know, the expectation is the salary cap's only going up $1 million to 83 and a half. I can only tell you from sources that uh, have direct knowledge of the conversation between the NHL and the NHLPA 10 days ago when they met in New York, they were talking about a $3 million potential um, escalation in the cap this summer, but they want something in return. And they want to change the escrow caps that are in place and that's not palatable to the players. So they're at a standstill. So when you, when you hear the answer, you can almost hear a different answer. If you listen close enough. Okay. Well, that makes any sense. That's why we have someone like you on, because I definitely did not pick up on that. I picked up, or at least I, I, uh, sense that it was just, hey, we, uh, you know, we still have a little bit of money left on the table, an escrow payment, and from the pandemic and all these things that affected our payroll, and we want to be whole, so we're not going to make any advancements to the game, when in reality, we've heard some owners want to spend more money, and of course, the players want to be able to, to make more money, and that the whole system would benefit from more money, but you know what? We just don't really feel like it. So here's the thing. You have to understand who that message is to. When Gary Bettman answers that question, he's speaking to players and he's speaking to the NHLPA leadership. He's not speaking to the media. He's not speaking to fans listening or watching at home or, or anyone else. It's a direct call. It's a, it's a, um, almost like a cat call to the players. It's it's like throwing red meat at them. Mm. We're only increasing the cap by one million bucks. What are you going to do to change it? And that's how it works. And once you understand the sort of game, it actually kind of becomes interesting and enjoyable. So they want changes to the escrow cap. Is that is that it? Is that is that sort of the uh, hill they're dying on? Or is there anything else that uh, they're looking to uh, capture in their forever negotiations with the NHLPA? Well, they're. At least my understanding of the conversation is that they're claiming to the NHL PA that because there's some outstanding issues with regards to revenue next season or concerns, I guess you should say, that 
because of the bankruptcy surrounding Valley Sports and the regional sports networks, there's 12 of them uh, that Valley Sports holds in the U.S. They're concerned about a default on those payments that could result in hundreds of millions of dollars in lost revenue as a potential. And so they're saying for that reason, um, it's not prudent at this time to be able to talk about an increase in the cap uh, without changing the escrow cap, because if not, we could result in a situation where we essentially have a, a debt payment that comes up again. Um, let's say the escrow cap is, it is 6% contractually next season. And I know this is dense and I apologize. If it is 6% next season and NHL players earn way more than their, their 50% share, let's say they earn 58 or 59% of the pie. Um, then we're going to have to then have something else in place to the point where we can now recoup that money that's lost again. So it's almost like starting a new pandemic uh, debt issue uh, that still would be ongoing in a year that you're trying to pay it off. So I understand part of what they're saying, but I also think there's definitely an avenue if you understand the mechanisms in place to be able to put something like this in, increase the cap by two to two and a half, three million bucks and not have to change the escrow cap because the amount of money that's supposedly in the pot next year, if they are indeed hitting $6 billion in revenue this year, why would we play another season with a flat or frozen salary cap knowing that that debt is going to be paid off in the first couple of weeks of the season? Makes no sense. Still got to count a couple beans, as Gary Bettman said. Yeah. A couple more beans to be counted. Well, the valley beans, that's it's kind of scary. It is kind of scary, those valley beans. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Frank Saravelli of dailyfaceoff.com. Okay, another big thing that Bettman loves is the Arizona Coyotes. He just won't give up on the idea that maybe there's holding out hope, the greater Phoenix area. They're exploring other options. Uh, Speaking of hockey-related revenue. There you, there you go. There you go. Where are you at with just the fact that Bettman will not let this die and he's going to hold on to this until his grave? Well, I think they've been engaged in conversation with the Phoenix Suns about the potentiality of either a new arena, a joint arena together, or perhaps more likely for the time being, which would be um, renovating the arena that they're playing in that the Coyotes actually originally began playing in, in downtown Phoenix. I think that's the most likely option on the table at this point. Um, but to me, the most interesting or intriguing part of the pre-Cup final media availabilities was the fact that Marty Walsh, the new NHLPA executive director, also spoke to reporters about this Coyotes issue and seemed to sort of lay down a threat which was essentially the NHL needs to get this right. And, you know, that's where, if not, we're going to begin to apply heat and pressure. Now I would have liked to have heard or seen a little bit more teeth from Marty Walsh, who's still sort of, uh, he's got his training wheels on uh, for lack of a better term uh, with the NHLPA and is still learning the business. But he basically, his quote was, was, somewhat powerful in the sense of 
I'll, I'll read it to you. If we don't have a new location in the near future in Arizona, we'll have to have serious discussions with NHL officials. The Coyotes players won't be able to play in a university building forever. It's not good for the NHL's image, and it's not good for revenue sharing between players and owners, period, end quote. Mm. Well, I guess uh, we'll update this again next week with, or next not next week, next year with Gary Bettman's comedy routine uh, that is now set annually. Uh, one other note from the uh, press conference that I did want to touch on. He was asked about another team in Toronto. He says that's good for people to talk about, media, fans, so on and so forth, but it's not a conversation inside the NHL. If we're talking about money and making money and making sure that you're maximizing the impact of each of your franchises, why is that not a thing that they would ever consider? Uh, territorial rights that the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Like, we we can talk about it all we want. We have no indication that the Toronto Maple Leafs are ready and or willing to cede any of their rights that they have carved out by the NHL Constitution and Charter. Uh, these rights go back a long time, 100 years plus. Um, and as great of a setup as it would be to have Scotiabank Arena be sort of the staple center of of the NHL where you have two teams that play in one building, and I think that's eminently possible and doable. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's on anyone's front burner to tackle. And I can't even really begin to estimate or even think about what the payment would be required in order to carve out that territory and have the Toronto Maple Leafs and Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment feel happy about the deal. Like, we're talking about the Ottawa Senators, one of the small market, low-revenue producing teams whose arena is basically out in the sticks in comparison, go for potentially, I read something over the weekend, $1.2 billion now, which, like, every time you turn around, there's another $100 (laughs) tacked on, and I don't Mm. know how that works exactly. But... I mean, the process is still ongoing. So if that's the price for the Ottawa Senators, who still need to then do about, I don't know, a billion dollars worth of building to put up a new arena in LeBreton Flats downtown, like what are, like, what are we talking about in terms of a, a, a territorial rights fee to pay in a one-shot deal to the Leafs to say, hey, this is what makes you feel good about carving out your territory for someone else. Is it, I'm just like totally spitballing because I hadn't even considered this before you asked it. Is it $4 billion? Is it five? Like what's that number? Like it it might even be more than that. I don't know, but is MLSC turning down $5 billion to share their arena and land? I, I don't I don't know. Are they like how I, how I valuable is it to have a complete monopoly of the of the? Yeah, market? I don't know. I mean, money loses its like value or not value. It's meaning when it's five billion. Like I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what the land transfer <laughs> fee or whatever the land sharing fee needs to be in order for it to work? But five billion dollars is a lot of money. It, it. I'm just. This is. It's the biggest market in Canada by mm-hmm. a like a wide margin. Like. It's the biggest market in the league by a wide margin in terms of spending, it feels like. Like, I, I don't even, I, I can't begin to wrap my head around what that would be like. For every million person, million people in the GTA, there's 
A billion. So five million, five billion. Price go. of I don't know. I, <laughs> that's who knows? That's the exchange rate. Who knows? That's the yeah. That's the most. Well, that's the exchange rate. They that might makes sense use to me. some of that five billion uh, to keep Sheldon Keefe on the payroll. Sounds like he might be. Uh, I guess receiving a contract extension if he does stay. I know Elliot was speculating on that. Um, we're still a bit, I don't know, we think that's crazy. Um, but why Why is there such an issue with having a lame duck coach come in? Um, how does that affect performance? Why are they so set on, if he does stay, giving him a contract extension, not just letting him play out this year without a contract? Do you remember how the Kyle Dubas thing played out? Yeah, I think is it just like, recency I think that, bias? Isn't that exactly the motivation? Yeah, I guess that like, is. All it leads to is endless speculation all year. Mm. And let's say you want to keep the guy at the end of it because he has another good year. And, and his regular season record, by the way, is pretty sterling, yeah. even though that's not what it's all about. He, he ends up with kind of unprecedented leverage. And, and I wonder, too, with yeah. some of these other – uh, positions that remain open had, had other teams to this point held off on making their decision about their next head coach until they got clarity on Sheldon Keith. Mm. I think it's possible. I'm not saying that's, that is the case, but I think that's at least within the realm of possibility. So mm. I do, I would expect uh, a contract extension. And in fact, I would expect him to stay um, because I think, as the Leafs go through this process, one of the big things that they're going to run into is how do we know that whoever we bring in next is going to be better? And that's, it's almost like the devil, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, just like money. It's like, it seems like everything loses its meaning or value in Toronto too. I mean, Carberry goes to Washington, Hackstall and McFarland in Seattle. And it seems like, you know, Keith, cause he's in Toronto is the, a coaching prospect who could be out the door immediately. Like he's not going to Pittsburgh because Mike Sullivan's there. I, I wouldn't be so worried about it, but maybe I just don't value Keefe like other people uh, do. Let's quickly go to the Stanley cup final game. One Vegas wins five, two adds a, a empty netter. Uh, I don't know if it was a statement game per se. It was, it was pretty tightly contested. I think it was a good performance uh, for Vegas. Um, but did you learn anything from game one? I learned that the moment seemed to be pretty big for the Panthers. Um, Matthew Kachuk, obviously right in the thick of all the action as one would expect him to be, uh, punching an opponent, uh, sucker punch sort of thing in the last five minutes, essentially sunk his team's chances, uh, to come back or at least his chance to spearhead it, uh, which I thought was oddly not really talked about a lot because it was idiotic and, there just seems to be such a love affair with Matthew Kachuk that he can do no wrong. Uh, I don't, I, I didn't see all the coverage, but I was surprised to see that wasn't mentioned more. Um, so you heard Paul Maurice after the game say, everyone just bleeping breathe. And <laughs> that was, that's the message for the entire Panthers team was like, Hey, we scored a goal in the last few minutes of the second period we, it was 2-2 in the third, a chance to win a game that a lot of people probably felt like with a 10-day layoff, they had no business winning. My bigger concern is not will the Panthers settle down, it's has Sergei Bobrovsky turned back into a pumpkin. The first time since round one that he's allowed four goals or more. Um, that's 
that was the big thing for me is playing so unconscious and was in such a rhythm playing every other night that when you take 10 days between that, it's probably pretty likely to revert back to the guy that was a $10 million goalie who didn't start the first three games of the playoffs because they didn't trust him. So yeah, there were some goals scored on screens um, shot uh, shots from the point where traffic made life difficult, and there's no question that the Golden Knights won the traffic chaos battle in front of the net, and the Panthers need to do a better job against Aiden Hill in Game 2. But things like the Mark Stone shot from the slot that sort of iced the game, that's a save that Sergei Bobrovsky's making, I think, you know, in rounds 2 and 3 that he didn't in, in to begin the Cup Final, and I wonder... Is he going to get back to that sort of ridiculous Sergei Bobrovsky level? And if not, the Panthers are kind of like really average. Yeah, differentiators, right? It can go both ways. Uh, they're not here without Kachuk and Bobrovsky being amazing, and they weren't in game one, and now they're trailing the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Frank, we will continue to talk about the Stanley Cup final this week and catch up with you next week to see where we are at. We appreciate you coming on this morning. Looking forward to it. Have a great week, guys. That's Frank Saravalli, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So pay Sheldon Keefe just to avoid this situation that you just had with Kyle Dubas. Kind of just feels like I just don't the think reason. he's on the same level. No, he's And again, not. the one thing you'd be worried about is going to he's Pittsburgh, replaceable. I think. He's replaceable. Uh, I certainly think he is. A Kyle Dubas situation was, I think, unprecedented in terms of they didn't see it coming. So were you blindsided enough that you're now uh, I nervous? They, I think they kind of knew it was possible. I mean, the on the podium, the moment that Cal yeah, fell yeah. apart. I, I think 24 thought... hours from signing a contract, basically it was handed to you across the table, and then you're publicly campaigning to be elsewhere. Like, I think that's there, what I mean by it. There might have been a little arrogance like, oh, we're the Maple Leafs. Why would you go anywhere else? And I, I mean, I kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. Is the guy who I think wanted to be here, wants to make his home here. Sheldon Keefe doesn't live here in the offseason. Maybe that, uh, I don't know if that's a thing. I'm sure his family is growing pretty substantial roots here, though. His kid's playing hockey. Yeah. There's, you know, there's reason to think, hey, they'd want to be here above, above anything else. But I don't expect, like, I don't know, the Anaheim Ducks to be like, wow, that's our coach, and we're going to spend a whole lot of money on Sheldon Keefe at the end of the season because... He's done such a great job. So say, what's the track record? I see that with Dubas. Regular season, as Frank said, and it's not really the point. And what's more tangible? You put together, oh, that's some really impressive rosters he put on the mm-hmm. ice. But it's how you use it's the, the coach uses the roster and doesn't get the results. I think one is certainly more valuable than the other, at least in my opinion. It'd be interesting to see. I feel like they're just between a rock and a hard place and they have to kind of do the safe thing. I mean, you can always, you know, fire a guy, but look what happened with Mike Babcock. <laughs> you yeah. paid him for Again, it's fine. Five years. <laughs> it's it's fine because you could just, you know, just, bring in another bring in another money, city. Right, Justin, yeah, bring in bring in another team. Money? Be like, hey, we gotta wanna open our doors finally to that a thirty third NHL though, team. Trying to value how much playing in Toronto and having the share of that city would cost. I don't even know where you begin. <laughs> it's I mean yeah, I don't know how you would make those calculations in your head, but five billion to just say, Hey, you can have a team over here or you can have part of our building, that's it would be so weird if there was another team that played at Scotiabank Arena that was like the Markham it would Mountaineers. I would prefer a different arena. Yeah. I think that you just, you want your own space. And I think Scotiabank could be bigger. We were talking about that. Like Scotiabank Arena, I feel like you have another bowl. You could go to Hamilton. Someone in the text line brought that up. 
Is that far away enough? Yeah. How far away do you have to be to still be Toronto? Well, you think Kitchener is a suburb of... I don't. Toronto, you said that. I was just trying to help the the American we had on, you mm-hmm. know, understand where I was going. People were mad about I that. I know they were. Um, I know where Kitchener I would say is. outside of, like, this Whitby, Ajax area still count as Toronto? Like, I would assume so. How about so. this? If you can get there on the GO train, that's still Toronto. And that's in Hamilton. And that's Ajax, Pickering, Whitby area, Oshawa. I feel like it's too close. Well, it's either in your own arena or within the Go Train limits. I think Go Train is. Would, a good, could you build a rink Barry, in Barry? Barry, yeah. Barry, you, you could get to Barry. And a lot of people would have access to Barry. Yeah, easy to get to Barry. I've taken that Go I mean, Train. Barry's not big enough itself to have a NHL franchise. But if you built fifty kilometers north, seventy-five kilometers—that's a lot. Fifty kilometers north of the city. That's. Just a bit north of Newmarket. Maple Leafs might have to win. You know, it needs, you. Be East Quill- it needs to be in East Quillenberry. EG, baby. Sharon, you Sutton, were- Ontario. Let's go. <laughs> you were 50K away from Toronto? Let's go Sutton, Ontario. My old Sutton Rangers, the Sutton Arena, which I used to do public skating at, and I grew up playing on that rink. I think they could they could host yeah. an NHL team. There's only one one row of You'd have one of the seats. first uh, I could drop the retired puck. numbers. Come on, Sutton, newest NHL What's team. What's the Hall of Fame? You and Chris Tierney? What is it? Yeah, this is a lot of us. Erin Ambrose, ever heard of her? Erin Ambrose, yeah. Let's go, baby. Keswick Arena, Georgina Ice Palace. Let's do this. Let's start it right here. Get Frank on. He can evaluate the land. It's probably like 10K. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more than that. Okay. Uh, well, that'll be, uh, I'm sure people text in where you want this potential team if there's ever to be one. Um, okay, let's do something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. This was something I wanted to bring up with Frank, but... Uh, we missed the boat. We were chatting too much. Jets off-season plans. Winnipeg Jets off-season plans will be uh, its kind of the center of the hockey universe. So on his dailyfaceoff.com article, I post this on the second, um, talked about how the Jets are interested in taking offers on Connor Halbuck, mm-hmm. Mark Shifley, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And those are some pretty big names. So like not necessarily going to rebuild, but they're going to... Put- you know, see what's out there. And Connor Hellebuck obviously would be a, a pretty spicy. I think they put him on number two on his trade target list. He's got one more season at six point one seven million, um, but a, a a goaltender that would fit really nicely with some teams that are looking for a number one. Yeah, are you mm-hmm. suggesting the Maple Leafs might be one of those? Teams? I mean, it's it, it was pondered about. A fit, but I, I mean, money-wise. Uh, tr- uh, goaltending's been a little bit of a bugaboo for uh, Brad True Living. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, but those are some big names to be yeah, shopping for the Winnipeg Jets. 100%. But they they feel like, if I mean, if the Toronto Maple Leafs are in need of a shakeup in terms of core four talent or mm-hmm. core talent, Winnipeg's way ahead of them. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois has basically said, hey, I want to be a Montreal Canadian. I'm not doing anything <laughs> yeah. else. So just they, they should yet? definitely trade him. Connor Hellbuck, why would you resign there? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have... They've really, really had a difficult time budging from what they believe is going to work from their core. I mean, that, that's been there forever. Blake, Wheeler, Mark, they've been there forever. It seems like it's, it's run its course, and you'd wonder why, aside from a huge salary increase, whatever, a bag thrown at him, then why wouldn't, why wouldn't he want to explore something new? And if you trade those two guys, that kickstarts a rebuild. Mark Shifley on the, on the way out kickstarts a rebuild. I just feel like that team is, you know like Calgary, 
with Brad Schlebinger, or at least we believe, refuses to take a t- step back. They want to try to be competitive over and over and over again, and they keep running into the same wall, uh, trying new coaches, trying little tweaks. It seems like they're prime for a rebuild, but they want to do lateral moves, and I don't know if they're going to get anything of value laterally for either of those three. Maybe Hellebuck, but he's close to unrestricted free agency. Mm-hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois is not resigning anywhere else that he gets traded to other Shifley. than Montreal. And Shifley just seems like a massive, massive issue. Yeah, I don't know how many people like, are people, signing people up. People were talking about Toronto trade partner. Most obvious would be Winnipeg. I don't want anyone from Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, At least in a one-for-one. One. A lot of people, and I've seen this online, are saying... Other than maybe Connor Hellebuck, because he could Hellebuck be... Hellebuck for Marner. I've seen this a lot online. We just got a text in for it, but they also said Hellebuck. So I think they mean Hellebuck. Yeah, I, I just... Hellebuck for Marner. I mean... I don't think that's good well, asset management. <laughs> I think it's it's got to be a younger player. This could be, we've already maybe seen the best of Connor Hellebuck. Maybe he's the guy who puts you over the top in a playoff series right now. But can you win without forward and defense talent brought back in return for Marner? I'm not really sure. Okay, well, the Winnipeg Jets have some big decisions to make to see if they're winners or losers this offseason. We'll do winners and losers on the other side of the break. And we're giving away Blue Jays tickets. We'll be doing that this week. So we'll get our first set away um, after the break. So you got to listen for the code word and can text that in. So stay tuned. We've got winners and losers next. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sports on 590, the fan Justin and Ailish. Happy Monday. That means it's winners and losers time. A big weekend in sports, in all of the sports, too. Was it a big... Weekend though for winners and losers. So I don't have the I don't have the most robust list of all time. Yeah, I would say mine is. So there's some stretches in here. I couldn't find many losers. Same. I could. It's a, where all the losers uh, this weekend. Big, it was a big winner weekend. That's nice. Things are looking up for the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about that? Uh, we will make you winners with some Blue Jays tickets um, in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but I wanted to read a couple text in about our conversation previously before the break about a team if there were one a lot of people want london ontario mm-hmm. big london listener base here on the family great show. hockey city it would be good i don't know if they have the surround like uh, this i shouldn't even say that because people are gonna be like yeah we got surrounding area i just don't know if there's as many people as you need around yeah but i think that london is like a drivable distance from a lot of I don't know if you're going GTA to London to watch a game. No, but why does it have to be GTA? Where else are you coming from? I don't know. Sarnia. They go to Detroit. St. Thomas. Windsor, Detroit. Thorndale, St. Mary's. Yeah. The Hamlets. Yeah, there's a, there are great Hamlets there. It great is, Hamlets. That should be it. The London is it Hamlets. Listowell? I can't even say Listowell. How do you say it? Listowell. I, I can't wait right? to talk about Listowell with Corey Connors. We got Corey Connors at 8.30. I mean, he could attend these games. You know how many of my buddies from Tilsonburg would go to London to watch the London Hamlets play? That's their new name, by the way. Sorry, their name is the London Hamlets? Can you imagine? It'd be amazing. <laughs> what? Is that real? No. I was just saying, if they got an NHL team, they made it. The, oh. Uh, stay with Figure it out, bud. Anyway, London seems like a popular answer. Kyle Woodstock says, let's put a team in Waterloo, the Waterloo Wildcats. I think Waterloo, yeah. We got I mean, Cambridge, you, you could Waterloo. go Guelph. See, I know Kitchener. Kitchener's a Kitchener, bumping. Guelph, Cambridge. You could probably get London, Woodstock. Mm-hmm. That makes a little bit okay. more sense. Guelph could be good. It's far away. I told you, I went to Guelph a couple of weeks ago, and it is it's a great city. 
Underrated. I'll give Guelph some Guelph's big downtown love. is as good as it gets. They've got a lot of cute restaurants now oh. and cute patios. Guelph has really made it more than just trappers. <laughs> trappers. You know trappers? Oh, man. Um, how about an East Coast hockey team? There's a market out there, and some of the best players are from there. I think Halifax would be awesome. I'd be, I'd be hitting up Halifax. I mean, they obviously have teams out there, but NHL is a different story. Mm-hmm. Mark Dundas says, NHL team in Hamilton. We'll pay the Sabres for territory rights, but screw Toronto. Go Cats, go. I think uh, Pagula would take some territory rights. Definitely. Definitely. Why not? One last one. Dave and Barry says, the issue with putting a team in Hamilton isn't Toronto. It's Buffalo. A Markham, North York, Vaughn area team could work without impacting the lease. I think near Vaughn Mills would be incredible. Yeah. I live in Vaughn. If you put a massive rink in... Right by the behemoth at Wonderland. kilometer radius of my house, you would have <laughs> no problem supporting an NHL team. You could be up on the behemoth... And you yeah. look down, or Leviathan at Wonderland, you could see the lineups for the rink. Uh-huh. It would work. Did you, side note, did you see that someone was on Leviathan, and that's the big roller coaster that goes like sure. 89 degree I'm, drop? I'm kind of uh, bracing for this. And what happened? they hit a bird, and oh. it exploded on them. The bird hit them in the face? The bird hit the fast-moving roller coaster. Did it hit someone, or just yes. the coaster? Yes. Oof. What's that's like enough. that seems kind of dangerous. It does seem like how the bird, to control the birds. The birds toast the birds. Yeah, no, but like I feel like that could be. I think that person would be hurt. The bird was a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Winners and losers. Let's go. Uh, I'm a winner because you are gracious enough to offer me. Mm-hmm. A pass to the RBC Canadian Open this weekend. So we are going. We are very excited yes. about that. Can't wait. It's going to be fun on Saturday. Alanis uh, Morissette concert on Saturday. We're going to go to the Canadian Open and have a wonderful day on Saturday. So hopefully we see some people there. We're going to see Corey Connors there, who's going to join us at 830. So mm-hmm. big winners all around. And you're welcome. I will enjoy That's gonna be a wonderful fun. day. So thank you. <laughs> Okay, winners. Uh, winners. There, I have lots of winners. Um, Chris Bass, it's got to be the biggest winner of the weekend for the massive, Blue Jays. Massive, massive winner. Talked about this at the top of the 6 o'clock hour. we got to recycle it here because he had uh, a winning weekend in many, many ways on and off the field. He pitched Friday night knowing that his wife was in labor and eight innings pitch, gets the big win to kick off the three-game series against the Mets and heads home, gets to see the birth of his son, Colson and the Blue Jays get the sweep and he was in a big pressure moment and did not crumble and Chris Bassett had an incredible weekend so congratulations to him and his wife and baby Colson. Yeah I need to see Chris Bassett in another big spot at some point in this season and the upcoming season because this guy does not cower in fear away from the big moment uh if he had a poor outing while his wife is getting birth It'd be a tough conversation, I feel like. So I think he'd have a built-in excuse, though. Like, your wife's having a baby. If you, you know... You I guess. But it's like, if you're going to go, it, you better pitch well. No, he killed it. He pitched it. well. So right. Chris Bassett is the biggest winner. He sure is. I think this weekend. Uh, we haven't talked about the Memorial Cup ah, today. That was my next one. But, yeah, the Quebec Ramparts, big winners. Of course, Patrick Waugh, big winner, the coach of the Quebec Ramparts. Uh, they win the Memorial Cup with a 5 nothing. I think, was the final victory of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, I think Patrick was a big winner. There's still a couple vac. There's still mm-hmm. technically four coaching vacancies in the NHL right now. Babcock has grabbed one of them unofficially. We believe he will be officially signed uh, in July after he earns every penny from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but I feel like this is a really good story. Patrick was telling after more success with the Quebec Ramparts at the junior level. 
uh, if he works well with young guys, who dominates the NHL right now? Young guys. Uh, I feel like Patrick Waugh should be at the top of the list of, of coaching candidates based on what he's done here with Quebec and uh, the experience he has at the NHL level. Connor Bedard, massive, massive winner. Really? Uh, yeah, because he took home three he was watching awards. watching the Memorial Cup? Three, first top prospect won the top prospect award, leading score award, the CHL player of the year award, the first player in history to win all three prizes. That's, that's a winner times three. So that's he's got a big good. trophy cabinet, and it's just beginning. That is definitely pretty good. Uh, I will say, though, I was a little irrationally upset. Oh, when I saw him, I'm like, you should be in this tournament, man. Well, this- I know you wanted to be a Pat. I know you didn't want to go anywhere. You'll I just don't know why. You'll see a lot of Connor Bedard in your life, okay? I just don't know why. Like, why would you want to play in this tournament? Anyway, it bothered me. You got anything else? Yes, I got lots. Um, Rose, Rose Zhang, women's golf has a new star. Um, first LPGA start. So she just played for Stanford, came off the most successful amateur career of all time having her two NCAA Women's Golf Individual Championship titles in, in 22 and 23, and a victory at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. She was at Stanford, uh, eight wins this season, tied Tiger Woods for the most ever by a Stanford golfer in school history. Mm. Hey, you're tying Tiger Woods. Tie Tiger Woods. Not bad. Um, she spent 141 weeks at the number one ranked amateur in the world, the longest streak for any player. And then... <laughs> Why did she wait? 141 and, weeks? I know, but in her first LPG start, she won this weekend, shooting nine under and beating a fellow American in a playoff yesterday. So, she is the first 20-year-old player to win while making her professional debut since Beverly Hansen in mm. 1951. And she played under a sponsorship exemption for this tournament. So she is... So she's still not pro. Well, she's eligible to accept immediate membership at the LPGA Tour. This is going to be the story... <laughs> Time to get paid. Brooke Henderson is our our beloved Brooke Henderson, but... Mm. You better watch out because there's a new face and she's coming quick. So she's a massive winner this weekend. Uh, I'm making hockey fans winners because I think we have a pretty good Stanley Cup final cooking. Game one was good. Maybe it wasn't the best effort for the Florida Panthers, but I think it's going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. But the real reason, we have a new E60 coming out called Once Upon a Time in Anaheim, which will chronicle the Mighty Mm -hmm. Ducks rise from Disney novelty to their big Stanley Cup run. We'll see the off the floor, on the board moment, one of the most legendary hockey moments of all time, chronicled by uh, ESPN. So that should be awesome when it's released, I believe, in a week or so. Victor Hovland and myself, co-winners. Me, because I picked him in our FanX Cup standings, and I have now... I'm winning by 1,800 points. You know what we need? Or 800 points, I forget. $800. $800, yeah. You know what we need? Uh. We need like a final pairing. I know it's not Sunday, but a final pairing Saturday with one uh, our golfers in the yes, same group. Yes, I cannot at the end. wait. Oh man, yeah, clutch putt to win the uh, Memorial and playoff against McCarthy. So big win for Victor Hovland. Big win for Ailish. I know you have a soccer one. I'll give you my soccer one. Uh, one of the cockiest and most talented athletes of all time hung up the cleats mm. yesterday. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, and he did it in very Zlatan fashion. I couldn't. I wasn't sure if this was real. And I was trying to like look at all the articles and figure out if this was actually <laughs> something he did say. But I'm going to go with it anyway because it's all over Twitter. Yeah, whatever. Verona fan. So he's in Verona. He plays for AC Milan. He barely played it all this year. He's injured. 41 years old. His career is over. He was, he's a legend, though. Came over to MLS at one point. Went back to Europe. Whatever. 
Verona fans, though, very uh, polarizing individual. He's announcing sort of a surprise, his retirement. He didn't really tell anyone. Mm-hmm. And he jumps on the mic at the end of the season. Verona fans are booing him during the announcement. And he reportedly clapped back saying, keep booing. This is the biggest moment of your year seeing me. Wow. Which is the most Latin thing at all time of all time. <laughs> so for him to do that on his way out, unbelievable. Uh, my soccer one isn't as deep. It is just the fact that I didn't know people could make this type of money. Um, Kareem Benzema. <laughs> Check out the live tour. What? Well, this is live money. <laughs> this is the this exactly. is live money. One exactly. of the greatest strikers of all time signing with um, a Saudi club. Three years, $643 million. $643 million for three-year contract. MLS has a Saudi, Saudi problem. There it is. Because they're supposed to get the Messi's and the Ronaldo's yep. and the Benzema's after their... They're just, you know, I'm not the I'm not the it's world's crazy. greatest anymore, so I'm going to go and earn a ton of money over here. That was supposed to be MLS. Now it's live money, which is not a good situation, but not good for MLS at all. Okay. Um, should we make the listeners winners? Okay. I don't know if you're done. We didn't have a single loser. I, well, Francisco Lindor. How about that? Uh, okay. I'll, we'll, we won't even explain it. Rory McIlroy. Uh, he was a loser this weekend. Michael Porter Jr. was brutal yesterday. Loser. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. already mentioned them. Losers. Because Mike Babcock's going to make things a little bit less country club-esque, I would say. It might be untenable. It could be untenable. And I put Marcus Stroman as a winner with that Soto shuffle off mm. the mound. He's Marcus a, Stroman's he's having, having a great good, year. Yeah, I know. We yeah. don't, uh, I like that, Marcus Stroman. Keep that quiet. I know we don't. He's like polar. I, I still have a soft spot for Marcus okay. Stroman. Let's make you winners. The Blue Jays are excited to celebrate Pride Month at the ballpark on June 9th and 10th with the fourth annual Pride Weekend presented by TD. We have tickets to give away all week long. To enter, enter, listen for our daily code word and text it to 59590. Today's code word is, now this is in three words, okay? Mm-hmm. TD Canada Trust. Yep. Text TD Canada Trust to 59590 right now for your chance to win tickets to Friday's game against the Minnesota Twins. And Friday's game will feature a rainbow flag, jersey giveaway, pregame festivities, community initiatives, and more. So that's the Blue Jays Pride Month weekend here, June 9th and 10th. These tickets are for Friday night's game against the Twins. The code word is TD Canada Trust. Another giveaway, which means you got to get there early. Yes, you do. It will be a, a very jam-packed weekend. Looking forward to celebrating Pride at the ballpark this weekend. Okay, so speaking of baseball, maybe Vladdy's breakout will sustain itself to Friday night's game if you get a chance to go there. We're going to talk to Carlos Pena, former MLB first baseman, all-star gold glover, and current MLB network analyst. We'll do some Vladdy chat and maybe about uh, how successful this Jays team can be when all things are cooking because it's looking good. Three series wins in a row and a sweep against the Mets. The vibes are upwards for the Toronto Blue Jays. That's next.